0: Welcome to Be Happy, a podcast discussing all things related to hepatitis B by the Hepatitis B Foundation. It's your host, Evangeline Wright, and today we are joined with Dr. Thomas Tu, founder of Happy Community, a global online support group. This podcast will be split up into two parts. The first part talking about Thomas's experience with living with hepatitis B, and the second part, we talk more about Happy Community and what it's like living with hepatitis B in the context of Australia. Thomas,
1: please introduce yourself. Hi, um, my name's Thomas too. Uh, thanks for that introduction. Um, so I lead, a—I a, I wear many hats. So I lead a research group at the Westmead Institute for Medical Research in Sydney, uh, in Australia. Um, I'm also, uh, as Evangeline said, the founder of hepbecommunity.org, which is this online forum and community for people affected by hepatitis B. And it's there to connect people with each other and experts in this in the sector. Um, I'm also president of the Australian Centre for Hepatitis Virology, which is uh, the lead national organisation that connects molecular scientists uh, all studying viral hepatitis uh, in, in Australia. Uh, and I'm also board of Hepatitis Australia, uh, on the board of, of Hepatitis Australia, which is the peak advocacy body for those living with uh, viral hepatitis in Australia. Also, uh, I live with hepatitis B myself. Um, so that that's all my hats that I'm wearing today.
0: You do wear a lot of hats and all, <laughs> all in the viral hepatitis sector. It's amazing. Yeah. So Dr. Thomas, uh, thank you again for joining us. and. I think we would like to uh get a few a few perspectives from you on uh some questions we have up here. Uh so we understand you were diagnosed with hepatitis B at age 14. What happened or led to your diagnosis?
1: Yeah, that, that's a great question. So I first got um a diagnostic blood test because my family comes from a high-prevalence country, uh, in particular v- Vietnam, uh, where chronic hepatitis B affects about 20% of the population. And, and I think this is exactly what we need GPs to do, find out who's positive in our communities so that they can get into clinical care sooner rather than later. Um, at least that's the theory. You know, the, the diagnosis, the positive uh, uh, result was, was really a shock and, and um, emotionally upsetting. But at the same time, I didn't know what it meant. I wasn't provided with uh, a lot of information. I think I was supposed to get regular blood tests, but I wasn't reminded or, or no one followed up on me. And, and that's maybe because I was in this low risk immune tolerant phase, but, but still, um, you know, I, I and, and I guess there wasn't this sort of unspoken thing in the, the family that we, we wouldn't really talk about it because it wasn't causing any problems and that we didn't raise want to raise it as something that, you know, set us apart from the society that had accepted the entire family as, as refugees. And, and after getting a little more information from, from the internet, I, I more or less dismissed it and, and stored it, this, this diagnosis in, in the back of my mind um, and, and didn't really revisit it till, till much later. Wow. So
0: that's, that's really difficult. I mean, given that you are just 14 years old and you get this news and, I mean, there's a lot to take in it's, it's a lot to take in for a 14 year old. Yeah, uh, sure. So how, how would you say your family accepted the news? Even though they probably knew about the race uh, that because they are from Vietnam, they might know that uh, the, the prevalence in Vietnam is a little bit higher. So you might be at risk, but uh, at 14, I don't think any parent expect their child to come up with sad diagnosis at that young age. So how would you say they accepted the news?
1: I think it's it's so common in in Vietnam that people sort of accept it that that it's it's something you have and, and that's it. I guess it's a little different for me because I was um, in this in between phase in that my my parents come from you know Vietnam or, or have Chinese background as well, mm-hmm. um, but I was in. Australia. I was born in Australia um, and had to fit in with other Australians. So there was a little more secrecy around it for me, but, but my parents were, were, you know, this is just something that, that, that is, you know, that, that is tough.
0: So looking um, back now, how um, much influence would you say your diagnosis had on your, the trajectory of your career?
1: Um, I mean, really, during the time I was sorting out what I wanted to do, I just had no idea, Um, you know, uh, just just after high school, almost uh, thinking about university, you know, I was thinking of becoming a psychologist, a comedian, being a doctor, Anyway, seeing as I wasn't very funny and um, I, <laughs> I didn't have the marks to become a doctor, uh, I ended up picking something in the biomedical field because, you know, I could uh, always think about picking up doctoring later. Um, and as I progressed uh, in, in university, I learned that the the university that I was attending had one of the few active hepatitis B uh, research labs in Australia. And, and from second year onwards, I was focused on getting into that lab. I, I mean, I saw this potential uh, to change things, um, to be able to find out more about, about hepatitis B. and And that brought my diagnosis back to the forefront of my mind and, and, you know, the, the, Um, millions of others in the world um, with, with hepatitis B. So um, despite getting my worst marks in infection and immunity, um, (laughs) (laughs) I ended up doing um, honours in the the lab of Professor Alison Gilbert um, and eventually did a PhD with her as well. um, And and that sort of launched my career. So uh, I mean, in the middle there, uh, that that positive diagnosis sort of led me to, to where I am today.
0: Yeah, I think that's amazing. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's that's very interesting. Uh,
0: so, what what would you say is uh, was your experience after getting that information and uh, moving on from that point? What would you say your experience was like? And can you talk about the lack of support groups and information on hepatitis B? Uh, that is out there.
1: After that initial shock of being diagnosed, I guess I felt alone. You didn't really talk about it. And, and, and like you have this shame and embarrassment about having Hep B and it, and it creeps up and, and sort of grows inside of you. You sort of learn to, to shove it away, but, but it comes back whenever you interact with a child for example, knowing that you have the potential to infect them or or whenever you get the pain in your side and have to worry about it being cancer. Um and, and as you mentioned, there weren't really any readily accessible support groups for me. And and even if there were, I, I think I'd be um a bit too socially awkward to, to join them in person, you know. And and that lack of discussion and support can um, really affect health outcomes in, in general. Um, I if I tried to Google now um, as I googled then um, stuff about Hep B, I'm met with you know millions of pages on on Google. Um, which ones are trustworthy? Which ones are crap? It's really difficult to know as an outsider with no knowledge. You know I might find some good. Information, but I'm more likely to stumble on unproven remedies that have that that do nothing, or or even worse, wreck my liver. I might ignore them altogether because it's all too hard, and and um, you know I might then never know about any new treatments or cures that might save my life. So I think I was quite lucky in being able to find information about Hep B and and end up working in a lab where I got even more information. But that sort of thing is, you know, out out of reach for the majority of people with hepatitis B. It, I we shouldn't be expecting everyone with hepatitis B to have 14 years of um, um, experience in the sector with a with a PhD. And, and I think that makes it hard. Um, so, yeah, even when I looked last year, there weren't any real support groups. And I, I was fed up with this. I saw need. Um, and so I started up one myself called happycommunity.org.
0: Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And I, I have to agree with you about the challenges that people face uh, because there's not, there's not a lot of information out there. And then even if you come across the information, it's like you have to ask yourself, how accurate is what am I, what I'm reading, you know?
1: Yeah. And yeah, so exactly. that becomes
0: a challenge and then the lack of support group. And like you said, even if there's a support group, it's like, at that point, I mean, I don't think you feel like you want to be involved in, in any support group because you don't even know anyone in the group. Exactly. So, <laughs> so exactly. that, that becomes difficult. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And, and
1: so this, this, Online community, um, I keep that in the front of my mind that, that it's hard to get into a community um, in the first place. So what we allow people is, is to read the, the messages, even not being registered for the site. They can they can read other people's stories. They can choose their own pace at, at when they want to engage. Um, we allow people to... You know, um, post under uh, uh, pseudonyms so they don't have to reveal their, their identity. So it, so it really lowers the the barriers to being able to engage in in the community and and connect with other people. Sure. Uh,
0: so I know you talk you touch a little bit on this, but uh, how does the lack of information and lack of support groups affect someone newly diagnosed? And would you say things have improved
1: or are still the same in your view today? As I said before, um, it it can affect directly their health outcomes, whether they're engaged in in looking after themselves, in in monitoring their their disease. If it's much easier Mm -hmm. to ignore it, um, then, then that's what what people will do. Um, if there's no community there as well, um, that that whole isolation thing becomes uh, becomes a lot more real in people's lives and and impacts them a lot more um, because of the the stigma and discrimination associated with hepatitis B. You know, there, there's Either people don't know about it, or it's linked to um, activities that, that have high 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 stigma, such as um, um, uh, unprotected sex or or intravenous drug use. Th- this condition can come with a lot of shame and embarrassment, and that itself is is harmful. And without a community that that understands what you're going through uh, that makes it much harder to deal with those emotions so I think a community will will really act to improve people's lives just as much as you know treatment for hepatitis b it, it, it's all about managing the, the condition um, w- which has both physical and, and non-physical impact.
0: Uh, so I think it's, it's very unfortunate that even after 14 years, uh, you said the last time you checked, things haven't improved much on this front. And uh, it, it, it tells us how much more work we have to do uh, uh, to be able to get to eliminate hepatitis B. We, we really have a lot of work ahead
1: of us. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. It, it's a really complex disease, I think, and, and, and it's really complex in terms of issues surrounding it. As I said before, there's that, that stigma and discrimination. In Australia, at least, this is, this is a real problem because the majority of people with hepatitis B in Australia are born overseas, and that linkage means it's, it's felt as a migration issue, which is confounded with the health issue, um, and 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 so there's not only that, but also the lack of a cure. We 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 still have, we we can treat Hep B, mm-hmm. um, but but we can't cure it, which is a big problem. Um, people are on on medications, I guess, for the rest of their lives. Um, at the moment, uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of um, progress going on with, with the research part. I'm, I'm, I'm doing my part as well. But I think we can draw parallels with, with hepatitis C. At the moment, in Australia at least, we're, we're um, diagnosing people at point of care Within an hour, getting that result and even uh, getting them on tr- uh, at least the, the, the drugs within, within that hour, it's amazing. And it's completely changed how we treat hep C and it makes those, that, that elimination goal so much closer. Um, we, we don't have that for hepatitis B yet. Um, and, and that I think really is, is a necessary part of eliminating hepatitis B is that cure. Sure.
0: That's really cool. Do you think like programs or governmental institutions or other organizations can like model like the hep C model for a hep B model sort of deal?
1: Well, at the moment we can't because, I mean, again, that the the tools we have available to control hepatitis B and, and to eliminate it really aren't there. Um, mm-hmm. The the treatment for hepatitis B is is a lot more complicated than than C. Um, basically, for for Hep C, you you see the infection, you treat the infection. For hepatitis B, the, the current guidelines say that if you are uh, you know in an immune tolerant phase, for example, you're not eligible for treatment. You shouldn't be treated, and and that. Uh, is not only difficult to, to follow the model, but it also can confuse a lot of patients. You know, I have all of this virus in my blood, but you aren't treating me. Well, what's up with that? And, and that, that can confuse people and it can also, you know, make them less engaged in care if they're going to be told again, uh that there's nothing they can do why why should i keep going to the doctor right um so so it it Hepatitis b at the moment is, is really um much more complicated than than what what we have for see
0: right yeah people can get very easily discouraged by that very easily hmm. i can hmm. definitely see that happening This has been part one of the
1: episode talking about Hep B community. Stay tuned next week as we dive more into it, as well as talking about Hepatitis B in the context of Australia. Thanks everyone for listening.
0: See you next week.